Hey, welcome. <laughs> ah. um, my name is Rochelle Sheik, and I'm here with Ravana Powell. Welcome, Ravana. Thank you. You were just sitting here knitting. <laughs> Ravana's visiting, visiting from Winnipeg. And um, we used to work together, and I was so lucky to work with Ravana in the First time I did a podcast, she helped support all the interviews and everything. And we were sitting here knitting. She's visiting us. Um, I'm, I live in upstate New York. And we were just having a conversation. And she started to get a little teary. And it was so sweet. And I had asked her earlier, saying, I think I want to revisit doing podcast. And, um, and I said, let's just do it right now while the energy is like right here and fresh. So here we are. Here we are, and part of my inspiration was to talk about our journeys with Koya and then whatever else came to light. Um, there's 13 pillars of a Koya class, and the first one is setting sacred space. And when I asked Ravana what the name of her space is in Winnipeg, she said sacred space on Sherbrooke. Sherbrooke. <laughs> so I thought that was also auspicious. So one of my favorite stories um, about people who began uh, being drawn to Koya, dancing Koya, um, that I've heard is really Ravana's. And uh, so I'll invite her to share some of it. And then also the thing I love about it is that oftentimes when people start doing Koya, they start to experience synchronicities. They start to experience these inner messages that make no rational sense, but they somehow like get this courage to follow them. And, um, and I feel like hearing these stories is really important because that's why I'm so passionate about embodiment at these times. Cause I feel like the world is asking for all these new solutions that maybe haven't been done before. So we need to have this uh, deeper sense of trusting ourselves and offering our unique gifts and the blueprints that we came in that we have the ability to create in our communities. And maybe no one's done it before and maybe we're not gonna get all the external validation right away, but the internal validation, the physical sensation of truth is enough to get started. So I really feel like Ravana's story is such a gorgeous example of that. But you'll have to see if you agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> so Ravana, take us yeah. to the beginning. To the beginning. The beginning is somewhere between 2013 and 2014 when I first discovered Koya. Mm -hmm. And it was just uh, like the old Koya website with all your videos. And I remember, I remember this so, so clearly that I was, um, I was, had gone back to university um, and I was taking a break from studying and I put on one of your videos and started doing Koya and I, my body, it was just the, the most amazing sensation of like, mm -hmm. oh, I've just been waiting for this my whole life to oh. be able to find a way, oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to find a way to move my body that honors my body. Oh. <laughs> and so, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> take your time. Thank you. I'd get you water, but I'm, I'm holding, 
for those of you, if you're watching this video, you can see that I'm on a bouncy ball with my sleeping baby. But if you're not, now you know. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so the closest place that I could go to a Koi class was in Minneapolis, which was like an eight hour drive from where I live. Um, and yeah, and, and I didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> but understandable. Understandable. Um, but I kept doing the Koya videos online. Mm -hmm. And then a year later, I was getting such a clear message from my body that I was not meant to be going to university. Mm -hmm. So clearly. Um, and so in March 2015, I stopped going to school mm -hmm. uh, again. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then the next week I signed up to take the teacher training at Kripalu. Mm -hmm. And I had never done a Koya class in person. I feel like whenever people show up for Koya teacher training and they've never even taken a class, there's like, I love everyone, but there's a special place in my heart for those people because the whole point of Koya is to trust like the intuitive knowing of your body. And so the fact that you can get to that place, like I've never done it, but I know I'm going to teach it. Yeah. I'm like, that's the whole point of the whole teacher training. And the whole path of Koya as a student is to be able to make decisions like that. Um, so yeah, it looks like it was happening already. Yeah. Like I hadn't exactly. even taken a class and it was already like working through me that like, uh, to listen to this voice that isn't external. Right. So then I, I showed up at Kripalu and it blew my mind. And I think I came home and my, my family and friends were all like, what happened to you? <laughs> <laughs> it was very noticeable. It was very noticeable to them. It was noticeable to me. Mm. And then, yeah, I just dove into to teaching the classes that I needed to to get to the intensive. Mm -hmm. And so that was August 2015. And then I was in Costa Rica January 2016. But before I left, <laughs> this is my favorite part of the story. I, at the time I was, uh, because I had been going to university, I was nannying part time. And I was like, I'm going to be a Koi teacher. And I really, I, this sounds so ridiculous. They were like, I just can't, like, I just can't also do this other job. <laughs> <laughs> and so I quit my job before I went with just like the soul, like, I'm going to go and I'm going to become a Koi teacher. And that's what I'm going to do, which again, doesn't make very much sense. No, a lot of these decisions do not make linear sense. That's and I would never recommend it. Like, no, don't never do this. Don't. don't quit your job and come to a Koya thing. I don't recommend it either. Like it, ha it, it yeah, yeah. It has to be from like uh, yeah. the voice from beyond. So it's, yeah. But I have to say that I kind of miss like being an entrepreneur and being my own boss has it's like pluses. But what I really miss is quitting jobs. I remember like, you said that It's before. like the best feeling because when you're in this dynamic, it's like this person has potential control over your schedule, your livelihood. There's such a power dynamic. And then when you quit your job, it's like, you don't own me. Yeah. I do what I want. <laughs> and I like those reclamation moments for me are just like, like I miss them. I, there's like a part of me, I can't do it because I'm busy and I feel like it probably lacks integrity, but there is a part of me that would love to get jobs to quit them. Yeah. Um, you know, I haven't, I don't know. Anyways, that's a side tangent. <laughs> Feels good to quit a job. <laughs>
And I think it's like, it feels good to like liberate yourself. Like that's the moment. And Mm -hmm. it's, you know, if it's a job that's not resonating and, you know, for many of us, it's a luxury to be able to quit a job because so many of us and myself included will be bound because of that financial exchange. Like Mm -hmm. there, you know, times where it's like, okay, I have to be here because this is a survival instinct for myself. Um, but when we can step outside of reactionary fear-based into co-creative possibility thinking, that's often what happens when we're quitting a job or stepping out of something that doesn't align and stepping towards something that we hope does. And, uh, and it's not easy, but it is, it can be a very fierce soul moment. Like I'm, I'm choosing something that's, going to nourish me or I'm choosing a path that I'm going to experiment to something that nourishes me because for whatever reason the job isn't working it's not working so I want to honor everyone and and their relationship to work and where they are and and statistically there are so many of us who are in jobs that that um you know there's an exchange there's things that we get and things that we give up Mm -hmm. um and simultaneously in this new world that we're dreaming into being, it's like really want to encourage and support people to align with their original intent of incarnation and give the gifts that they came here to give. So, and as much of a practical bill paying way as possible. (laughs) True, true. So, so Ravana quit her job. So I quit my job. And came to Kripalu. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, forgive me. That's okay. Came to the, she came to Kripalu for the retreat and initiation to your training. And then she came to Costa Rica for the intensive. Yeah. And I, I, it was like the first week was a retreat and the second week was the intensive. So in that first week, so that was an incredibly powerful experience as it was, because I remember, I remember like, um, in my mind when I went there, I was like, this is the only time this can happen. Like it right. was like a very, this very limiting idea of dreams. Like, yeah, this, like was it such like a once in a dream? lifetime? Yeah, yeah. This is once in a lifetime. This was such a huge dream. And like, this is like be incredibly grateful for this because this is it. Like that's it. Mm-hmm. And so that week was like really working through that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was just sharing with Emily. Mm-hmm who works for Rochelle and was at the retreat, she asked what I did, like what I did for work. <laughs> and, and because I just quit my job um, and I didn't really necessarily identify as being a nanny. Mm-hmm. Um, I said my previous job, which had been like a chef, mm-hmm. which I didn't do anymore. And she was just like, oh, okay, interesting. Da, 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 da. And then? And then... <laughs> So Emily and I worked together and I had got news. We had um, some retreats coming up the next month, three weeks of retreats actually, um, where the, the chef that I had worked with previously, because we would rent a house and then bring in a chef to cook the meals, that she wasn't available. And I, our previous conversation was that she was. <laughs> and so all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, we have three weeks of retreats. Uh, we need a chef. And so we were talking 
about it. And Emily's like, well, I just talked to Ravana. She just quit her job and she's a chef. And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm going to talk to her about it. And so then I just like went up to her <laughs> like, kind of really casually and just like, this is what I heard. I heard you quit your job. I heard you're a chef. We have three weeks of retreats in Hawaii. Like, can you come and cook for us? <laughs> her face was amazing. It was like, <laughs> I feel like she really wanted to say right away, yes right away, but she had to like process it. So mm -hmm. she was like, I have to think about it, um, but I'll get right back to you. <laughs> well, yeah. she said yes. <laughs> and it was really, really lucky for us because Ravana is, you know, one of those, you know, like whenever you have like a really amazing meal and you're like, what is it? Like, how did you cook it? And then... It's like, you know, like chocolate. It's like the ingredient was love, you know, it was. So Ravana's presence is incredibly nourishing and loving and that translates through her food. And it was so supportive to our retreat as well as just having her. Um, and so that was amazing. And then I loved collaborating with Ravana so much. And I was like, hey, do you wanna <laughs> do more? And so she had not done much like admin or social media or anything. And so we just started a relationship of like, hey, Ravana, you want to do this? And she's like, I've never done this before, <laughs> but I will figure it out. And I was really lucky that we got to work together for as long as we did. But then Spirit started talking to her. Yeah. What did Spirit say, Ravana? <laughs> Well, it's interesting because I remember, I remember like when, yeah, I remember a lot of things, but I remember, I remember the feeling of when, when I heard that I had to finish mm -hmm. and start, right. start doing what I was like more, not that I wasn't here to right. yeah, yeah, of course. assist you. <laughs> um, Come on, Ivana. Yeah, right. <laughs> Okay. But I was walking down the street and I just heard, um, heard, felt that it was like time mm -hmm. and I felt so much fear and sadness. Yeah. Yeah. I remember why I had to call my cousin cause I was kind of freaking out cause I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> I'm going to, I have to quit. I have to quit this to be mm -hmm. able to do it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it was, it was really hard. Mm. It was really hard. It, it was much easier. It was much easier to quit my other job and go to Koya <laughs> than it was to quit this one. Um, and, and I think it was such good, good practice and good medicine because since then there's been many things that I've had to say no to that there's right. nothing wrong with. Right. There's absolutely nothing wrong with them. And they just, right. they had come to like a, an end. Yeah. And so I'm so grateful for the, like the courage that I had to be able to end it. And for, right. for you, for being such a wonderful person to practice with you. Yeah. And you always have been that for me, mm. this person that I can practice my boundaries with, that I can practice. I love when you practice your boundaries <laughs> with me. I really like, I actually like it when everyone practices their boundaries with me because it's, there's clarity, mm -hmm. right? We were talking about that the other day. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I had been teaching Koya in Winnipeg at this point for a couple of years and kind of just bouncing around to different studios and community centers and kind of wherever. And, and 
that really frustrated me at many points during like the, the two years because I just wanted to find a beautiful space that felt good right. and I couldn't find it. And I remember one Koya class I was sharing with a partner I, that day I felt so frustrated and so like confused. Um, and I realized in that moment like, oh, I, I, I have to create the space. Mm-hmm. And so I waited and You read. have to create the sacred space. I have to create the sacred space. Mm-hmm. I have to create that. It doesn't exist here yet, or it exists, sacred space exists, but um, yes. the one that I'm needing to create didn't yet. And so, uh, yeah, so then cut to last June, and I was renting an office, uh, like just a single office to work out of, uh, and the lease was up, and the, the landlord wanted me to sign a five-year lease for this single room. And I just said, no. And the woman I shared the space with said, well, what, like, what, what's wrong with that? And I said, no, yeah, I can't, I can't stay in this room for five years. Right. And so I said, I'm going to find, I'm going to make the space. And then, yeah. So a year later, the space exists. There's a lot more in there. I feel like I just glossed over Mm -hmm. all of like the, all of the praying and all of the work mm. and all of the fear and all mm. of the like synchronicity and all of the beautiful mm. support. Um, yeah. Well, so now Ravana's taking a little vacation from her sacred space where do you want to tell them like what it is and yeah. what goes on there? Yeah. So there's a beautiful studio space that Koya is taught out of like twice a week and yoga classes we just have an art workshop so many things and then there's four offices and the offices are are rented out to my friends yeah (laughs) it's a great business model because I just get to go to work with women that I love dearly Mm. and so and who uh it was so important to me like the integrity of the space was so important to me and kind of my biggest my like biggest like guiding star as mm-hmm. I created it because I was so like I realized how um this was just coming through me and so to be of service to that I had to let go of my own um desire to like please people yeah and have like even like stronger boundaries about what was going to happen in that space and mm-hmm. um and I knew that that was I knew that that was why this was coming into my life because mm-hmm. I knew that I needed to pay attention to that. So, so I work out of there and then four other women work out of there and do um, healing practices and therapy. And we have a lot of dance parties mm-hmm. <laughs> and your body talk practitioner, and a body talk practitioner and a doula and a childbirth educator. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's a pretty good but space to be in physically and, mm-hmm. and in every other way. Vanna, mm-hmm. I mean, what a journey. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a journey. Um, I feel like I really love hearing your story and I really love um, just these micro moments over time in each of our lives that lead us to a place where we get to be who we are. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and it's like these little decisions that with consistency, and that's really my prayer for everyone that does Koya as a movement practice is that in Koya, we talk about there's no way you can do it wrong. And the way you know you're doing it right is that it feels right to you. So there, there's this constant invitation to notice how do you feel, to practice honoring how you feel so that the body can be like a compass as you're navigating your life outside of a Koya room. And you have this practice of remembering what that internal validation feels like, what resonance feels like. And the prayer and the hope is that it, it leads us to a place where we get to experience the fulfillment of offering our gifts and being a vessel of spirit. And so it's like creating sacred space, you know, for your community, for the people that you work with, um, but making your body a sacred space, mm -hmm. making your body a temple for the energy to flow through and for there to be some clear pathways. And anytime we're stuck in our lives, it's likely that we're stuck somewhere in our body and stuck somewhere in our thoughts. Mm -hmm. And so movement really offers us the opportunity to move things through. Um, and I feel like your life is a really beautiful mm -hmm. example of your courageous spirit to, to dance, to love dancing. Ravana loves to dance. She's like one of those people. Like when you see her dancing, it's like this contagious joy. Um, and, you know, so if you haven't tried Koya, um, I invite you to try one of these videos that have been mentioned. Yes. <laughs> I'm also definitely trying to get more videos. So it's not just videos of me. You can dance <laughs> with other people. Maybe Ravana will make a video. Um, and, and again, it, what I'm talking about, it doesn't have to be koya. It could be anything. It could be, it could be walking. It could be rock climbing. But there is, I will just, can I yeah. add something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm just going to add the aspect of koya that is playfulness. Because yes. yes, we can walk and yes, we can rock climb. And those are fun and <laughs> beautiful. And, and, and it's not that koya forces us to be playful. It invites us to be playful. Right. And that is such good medicine and i can say in this past year how important that's been as i've navigated this like birthing of this space mm -hmm. um is that time to like interact with myself and my spirit through playfulness right yeah yeah that's true it can be more fun than walking yeah <laughs> even though like walking is so great. walking is great walking we love walking okay <laughs> it's not an either or situation walk and dance yes <laughs> And yeah, a quiet class is really, for me, it's the opportunity to experience um, our wholeness. So through the course of a class that we experience uh, as many different aspects of ourselves as possible and we're able to check in with them. So, you know, what is the reverent part of ourselves? Uh, what is the playful part of ourselves? What is the you know, place where there's discomfort? What is the place where there's freedom? What is the place where, um, where whatever's going on? So we often say in Koya, like, come as you are, leave as more of who you are. And that's just an invitation to, to really be honest, you know? That's, that's the biggest hope. And I think that oftentimes people will say that 
our, our base emotion is actually joy mm-hmm. when you get rid of the conditioning and, um, and have these moments. And we learn that a lot from our babies, right? This innate joy. It's like, like I cough and my son is like, <laughs> that's so weird. <laughs> and then I'm laughing and then all of a sudden, like we're all just beaming, radiating joy. Um, And of course, I don't want to like minimize the traumas and the challenges of our lives because I don't think anyone's exempt from the human experience and it's not always experienced as pure joy, but that it's right there under the, it's right there. It's, it's easier to access than we think. And through the body, like helping us come out of any numb distractions um, that are just normal in the momentum tunnel of a modern life to have because it can be intense. So we might want to numb the intensity and we might want to distract ourselves from the intensity. But when we give ourselves some time and space to feel it, we often expand our emotional spectrum to feel more joy, but also more grief because mm-hmm. there's no such thing as selective feeling. So as you start to feel more of one, you feel more of the other. And that's why it's good to see a therapist. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <laughs> so far, dancing, therapy. <laughs> uh, and I just say that in the sense that while Koya can be therapeutic and while it can be incredibly healing, uh, it's good to have tools to really, really dive deep into one's grief and the wisdom of the body is this like concept of titration where you choose and you can go like a little bit at a time. Uh, but having, having a guide through those deeper inquiries, I think is really helpful. And I know for me, I've, I've danced my whole life, but um, where I was able to see patterns because they were illuminated to me by my therapist, I'm very grateful. And um and just always encourage people to find someone. And then how do you choose a therapist? Well, notice what feels right in your body. <laughs> um, I guess I see that in the sense that I don't want to like make dancing like this fantasy remedy, you yeah. know, where it's like, actually all you have to do is dance and then everything works out perfectly um, because our lives are just so much more dynamic and we live in such transformative times I remember someone saying, it's like, we used to die, (laughs) like physically we would die and then reincarnate. But now like the acceleration of time and growth and change is like, we're dying and being reborn, but staying in the same body. Mm -hmm. And maybe, maybe, have you felt that, Ravana? Oh yeah. I have too. Yeah. And maybe if you're listening, maybe you have too. So I feel like my big endorsement here is for tools to navigate grief and the places where like you can just be honest without a filter. Um, That was really sweet. So anything else we should talk about in this episode? Um, I love you very much. I love you very much. I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful. Mm-hmm. So grateful. And um, Ravana taught slash reminded me how to knit. And she's leaving. She's visiting. I mentioned that before, but she's um, leaving tomorrow. So 
we had to multitask and knit <laughs> while we did this. Also, it's more cozy. Yeah, yeah. And so I think I'll end this by saying thank you for being an embodiment of creating sacred space, mm -hmm. making your body sacred, making your life sacred. And such an example of when we do the inner work, that's what we have to share with others mm -hmm. so that you have this community space, sacred space. Mm -hmm. um, and so many blessings on, on your community for the next year and, and all the people who enter it. And, and for anyone who's listening, I hope that Ravana's story could be a place where we can see the non-linear potential of our lives mm -hmm. where it might not be like the rational next step to quit, quit your job or go on a retreat <laughs> or sign up for a teacher training program or, you know, whatever that version is for your life. But that when you hear spirit calling and when it resonates in your body, that, that you have the courage to, to listen. Mm -hmm. And I always feel like for me, it's been like a really redefining what success means. So like, instead of success being like all my expectations got met, like success is when I get to live my life, which mm -hmm. is the life that basically when something resonates or calls to me, I can follow it and I don't give up on myself. Yeah. And so like, regardless of what happens to be able to live my life is the success point because I think we can all think of times in our lives where we weren't living our lives. We were living some version of conditioning or expectation yeah. from someone else or ourselves. And so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it has its risks, but it also has its rewards. Mm -hmm. And I think for sometimes we get to a place where just the consequence of not, honoring and listening to ourselves Ew. it just gets too it's too much it's like as hard as it is to make the non-linear not yeah. rational leap of faith it's harder yeah it starts to really feel like self-betrayal in a way that's just not yeah I always say like I know I'm not in the right place when I feel like there's this vacuum cleaner trying to suck my soul out of my body so we try to avoid that when possible <laughs> Or it's so grateful when you can feel it because then it's so clear that we exactly. need to shift something. So, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I feel like as a way to integrate this episode, it would be, you know, how can you treat your body as sacred space? Mm -hmm. And then how do you create sacred space for others? Mm -hmm. You know, have a dinner party. I once went to like a, a Reiki party where my friend was doing a Reiki teacher training and she just invited like five of us over and like made us a picnic outside and did Reiki on us. And that was really oh, nice. nice. I know. Um, so just, you know, it's like, it could be something small. It could be something. It even like lighting a candle at breakfast time. That you know sounds I mean? great. Yeah. Yeah, it's just what is basically one of my favorite sayings is like, you know, it works when it works. Like, <laughs> like yeah. if it works, it's right. So what are the ways to create sacred space that work well for you? And every time there's a Koya class, part of one of the first pillar of a Koya class is creating sacred space. And it's not like we give a manual, like this is what you do. You say this prayer and 
there's suggestions of prayers and things, but it's like really tuning into yourself. And one of the suggestions I make to people is that when they're learning how to create sacred space, they find something that they have more discipline around that they do every time. And then they also have something that's more spontaneous and unique to the, the needs of that moment of that, Mm -hmm. of that group of that event. If you're going to different spaces of that space. So those are all ideas to uh, explore for yourself to see what resonates. So um, thank you. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being alive at this time. We need you. Um, thank you for, oh, for dancing. I always think of that like moment, like there's a life review or and you're looking back and it's like, oh, it was so intense that I was dancing. Mm. So until next time, yay. Thank you, Ravana. Oh, perfect. Desmond's just waking up right now. Okay, great. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect timing. Thank you, Desmond, for supporting us. Okay, I'm going to stop recording. Bye, everyone.